Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. What's up, Victory? Thank you for joining us here at Church Online on Mother's Day. I just want to wish Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We want you to know how much we love you. If you've got your mom nearby you, or maybe a spiritual mom, somebody in your life, just lean over and tell them, Happy Mother's Day. Tell them you love them. You know, none of us would be here if it wasn't for our moms. So we are rejoicing and celebrating. And my mom's in heaven, and I'm rejoicing that she's with Jesus. She's part of that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, cheering me on. So, Mom, I love you. I'm so thankful for all of you moms raising kids, raising a generation that's passionate about Jesus and following what he's called us to do. Mom, we love you. Thank you so much for all you do. We've got so many great things going on at Victory. This coming Saturday, everybody say Saturday. Saturday, May 15th, we're going to be going out on another food distribution. I just want to invite you to come join us, be a part. We're going to meet at the Team Center at 12 noon and packing up the boxes, loading them up. Then at 1.30, we'll be down at the Fifth Third Bank in front of East River High School to distribute the food boxes to families here in Central Florida. And we're starting up our very own Victory Orlando softball team. This is a co-ed team for those 18 and up. We're going to be playing in a church league, and I want to invite you to be a part. If you are interested in playing on our softball team, would you take a moment and just send us a message to an email to softball at victoryorlando.com. Someone will get back in touch with you with all of the details. Let's take just a quick moment and pray together before we get in the message today. Lord, I thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice. God, I pray a blessing over all the moms right now. Lord God, I thank you so much for each and every, each and every mom. Lord God, I pray blessing on their lives. I pray peace and protection wisdom and direction in everything that they would need. God, I ask today you speak to us. Let us hear from you, Lord God. Let your word come alive inside of us because we are good ground. And if you agree, let me hear you shout amen. Well, we're going to take the next several weeks and study a book of the Bible called Philippians. I'm going to call this series of messages Perspective. Now, we do this a couple times each year where we stop and we study a book of the Bible because I really want to know the Bible more. I want us to know the Bible in deeper ways. And Philippians is a great book. It's in the New Testament. It's only four chapters long. And I would encourage you over the next several days this week, read all four chapters. It'll just take you 15 or 20 minutes all together. We're going to study this book. I'm really excited to share this series of messages on Philippians. I'm calling it Perspective. Uh, And honestly, I need this in my life. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to all of us. This whole idea, change of perspective. Now, the book of Philippians was actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city called Philippi that he actually started. And uh, the Apostle Paul, he would go from town to town leading people to Christ, start a church, raise up a leader, put that leader in charge of the church, and then Paul would move on to the next city and start the whole process over again. He did this multiple times and started churches in cities all across the region of the world at that time. And I find this encouraging because Paul's story of starting churches and and all that is much like yours and mine because that's how this church, Victor Orlando, began. 
Our founding pastors, Caleb and Sarah Worley, started this church. They actually raised up me and my wife, Heather, handed the church off to us, said, you guys are the pastors, you lead this thing. They moved on to continue preaching the gospel of Jesus and completing the missional projects that we support as a church, building water wells, building rescue homes all around the world. Come on, Victory, isn't it good to know that our story comes from the Bible? Now, this church in Philippi was a church that Paul had started around the year 52 AD, which would have been about 20 or so years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul, he, he assembled this church and he really loved them dearly. And in this letter, we see the deep affection the Apostle Paul has for the people in the church of Philippi. And as this time he's writing this letter is about 10 years after the church began, so around 62 AD or so, and he's writing this letter in response to something the Philippians did for him. Paul was actually in a time of significant need, and the people took up a generous offering and sent it to Paul. Now, normally he wouldn't have received any kind of financial offering because he would always say things like, I don't want to be a burden to you. Like, uh, like I'll, I'll work something else. I don't want to impose any financial anything on you. But because of his relationship with the church, he actually received their financial gift. He was blown away by it and wrote this very heartfelt, very uh, emotional thank you letter. And then he began to mingle in some gentle and loving instruction. All throughout the book of Philippians, there is an unmistakable theme that rises to the top, and that theme is joy. In fact, Paul says the word joy or rejoice uh, or similar words like that at least 16 times in these four chapters. We see massive joy come out of a guy who may not have had many reasons in the natural to be very joyful. That's by a show of hands. How many of you know that much of life is made up of a person's perspective? Right? That word perspective means a particular attitude towards something or a way of regarding something or a point of view. Now, sometimes people can have a good perspective or a bad perspective. But I love whenever you find out something that really changes your perspective. You know what I mean? For example, if I don't know if you've ever met someone and you thought, man, I don't really like them. They're kind of rude. They're snobby. They're stuck up. They're not my kind of person or whatever. You know, you've ever met somebody like that? Please don't nudge your significant other right now. Just keep those elbows locked in right here. In fact, would you just take a moment and look your lovey-dovey in the eyes and just tell them, I love you. Come on. Now, if you're sitting next to someone you don't know, someone you don't love, this might be a good time to score that post-church lunch date. You know what I'm saying? Come on, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Uh, but if you meet that rude person, and then you find out more about their story, maybe you hear what they've been through or what they're going through, and then you're like, wow, I had no idea they'd been through all that. And then you're like, maybe you begin to have a heart for them and you begin to find out they're really not that rude or that, uh, you know, off-putting after all. It's a change of perspective. The new information changes perspective. Maybe you're having a really bad day. You know the kind of bad day where it's a terrible, no good, horrible day. You're late. Uh, you know, uh, you're trying to get somewhere and there's a wreck on the 408 or the you're stuck in traffic or maybe there's car problems that morning, the battery's dead, something like that. And you're like, no, but then you hear about someone who's having a, a really bad day, a really rough time. Maybe they 
lost their house or they lost a job or they've lost a loved one. They're going through something really tragic. All of a sudden you're like, wow, it's a change of perspective. Maybe what I'm going through wasn't all that bad. If you didn't know, the Apostle Paul actually wrote this joy-filled letter, the book of Philippians, from a Roman prison. In fact, Acts chapter 28 shows us the story. He spent two years in this Roman prison, arrested simply for preaching the gospel of Jesus. He hadn't done anything wrong. Imagine two years. He's literally chained to an imperial Roman guard 24 hours a day. Now, here's the thing. Paul's dream wasn't to be a prisoner. It was to go to Rome and preach the gospel of Jesus. He wanted to go be a preacher, but instead he was in Rome as a prisoner. And we're going to watch as we study this book and this change of perspective that even in the middle of significant trial, significant problems, and significant pain, we're going to watch what God can do to give a person joy no matter what. Come on, let's look at scripture today. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God has for you today, grace and peace. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Do you hear Paul's love and his passion for the people in the church? In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he, that's God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have, have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now as he's writing this, Paul would have known that these the Philippians are going to be very, very concerned about Paul's well-being. And so he's like, he's kind of like he's telling them, hey guys, here's what I'm going through and I don't want you to be freaked out about it. God's got this. He had been arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus and he was in Rome, chained to this imperial guard 24-7. He was actually waiting to hear his sentence if he would be executed or if he would get to live in this prison for the rest of his life. If there was anything that Paul would want to change in his life, odds are he would have not wanted to be a prisoner. You know what I'm saying? He would have wanted to be free. He would have wanted to be out in the streets preaching the gospel. That was his dream. He would talk about it and shared it with all of his friends. They would have known, oh, he didn't want to be there as a prisoner. He wanted to be there preaching the gospel. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it. Maybe right now there's something in your life you wish was different. You know, maybe there's that thing right now you're like, just, I just wish that God would change this thing in my life. I, I wish that something was just different. Chances are almost all of us in every season will look at something in our lives and will say, you know, I just wish this wasn't the way it was. You know, it's like when you're younger and you wish that you were older. And then when you're older, you wish that you were younger. Maybe sometimes you look around and you're like, you know, I really wish I wasn't doing the kind of work that I'm doing. I wish I had a better job or their job. What I'm doing is just beneath me. It's not very fulfilling. I don't fit in with the people at work. I don't fit in with the people at school. Maybe you look around and you're like, I really wish I didn't live where I lived. I wish I lived in that city or in that house. I wish I had some different friends or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you're like, I wish I was married. Some people who would be married would say like, I wish I had a different kind of marriage or, you know, we can look on at so many different things and just say, I just wish that this was different 
in my life. I wish things were better in my life. This is the journey we're on because bad days, rough seasons, non-ideal circumstances are inevitable. There will be bad days. And maybe you're thinking like, wow, I thought church was supposed to be positive. I am positive there will be bad days and rough seasons in your life. You know, we, we can sit there and cry about it, but come on, come on, listen. Don't just sit around and cry about the rough stuff. Everybody has rough stuff in their life. So how do we do in our bad days? Come on, I would just say this. The mark of a mature Christian, come on, is how we respond to the bad days. How do we respond to the bad days? Listen, God has something for you in the middle of the bad days that will change your life if you will change your perspective. Here's what I know. Everything that God has said and promised is going to come to pass. And here Paul is saying this while all of his dreams are coming true, while he's wishing his life was different than it was, while he's experiencing less than ideal circumstances and being held back from doing what he really wanted to do. So how can Paul say this? He had something better. He knew something that we would need, something that will cause us to grow spiritually. And it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to try to be happy. I'm going to look on the bright side of things. Like, that's fine. But those things never last, right? No, no, no. But that's what most people are looking for. They're trying to be find happiness or they're just trying to find their little slice of life. There's movies about it, songs about it. Culture is designed to make a person think that happiness is the ultimate goal and achievement of life. But can I tell you, it is not. It is not. Paul is writing to show us that there is something better than happiness. It's called joy. Joy. So that when things don't go the right way, when things are less than ideal, when you experience immense pain in your life, that it doesn't wreck you, that it doesn't wreak havoc on your soul and your mind and your emotions. Come on, how can Paul have this kind of perspective, right? He, he knew that life doesn't always work out the way we plan, and when it doesn't, we could have something that supersedes happiness. It's called joy, and truth be told, joy is much more elusive than happiness, and few people really find it. People get happy from time to time, but most people rarely discover joy, and yet joy is freely supplied in abundance by our Heavenly Father to anyone, right? So I wanna look at a few key differences between joy and happiness to help us to choose joy no matter what. Here's the first one. Happiness is based on the external things, but joy is based on the internal. Joy is, based, joy is not based on the things around you, what you experience. Joy is based on an internal decision. It's based on what Christ has done. It comes from my understanding of who I am. We are sons and daughters of God. Now, Paul had every right to talk about this choosing joy because of the terrible things he had gone through and still been able to choose joy joy, right? You can read his account of a few of these things he went through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is where you can read it. But it really, it sounds like a really terrible Twitter feed, you know. Uh, it says five times he got 39 lashes. That would be the same thing Jesus received once. 
He was beaten with rods. He was stoned and not the 70s. You know what I'm saying? He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a day and a night in the open sea. He was robbed, beaten, betrayed, threatened, thrown in prison. Like he had a rough life and went through some really terrible things. Things that most of us will never experience. But with all that he went through, his perspective on them was completely different. So often I come across people and they're like, they looked at me weird. They weren't nice to me. And so things are bad or I'm going to be angry. Listen, we got to have a different perspective on some things in life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul tells us his key to change perspective. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Come on, somebody needs to underline that phrase right there. Though outwardly we are wasting away. On the outside, we're experiencing less than ideal circumstances. Things aren't going our way. But inwardly, inside, we are being renewed day by day. That tells me you can be going through the worst pain in life and still have victory. You can still be strengthened by the Spirit of God in the middle of the darkest and the most painful seasons that you're going through. He says, for our light and momentary troubles. Now, I don't know if you uh, heard that list of things Paul went through. They were not light. They were not momentary. They were anything but light, and they lasted through his entire Christian life. And here he's saying, my light momentary troubles, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all the troubles. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It is a perspective change. You can look at all the terrible and have the pity party. Oh, look at all this happening to me. Or you can look at it and be like, God, I know you're working and this is going to produce something in me that changes eternity. If we're going to choose joy no matter what, the inward part of us cannot be driven and decided based on the outward circumstances. I would say it this way. If the outward dynamic and circumstances determines your inward of who you are and what you believe, then you are in trouble. If a person becomes fearful or anxious at every news report or story, or maybe a person loses it, curses people out, gets angry every time they don't get what they want, most likely the outward things are driving who they are and the things they choose to hold on to. If things aren't good, then we're, if things are good, then we're happy. If we don't get what we want or things are bad, they don't go our way, then happiness is gone too. So how do we make the switch? It's a change of perspective. That all the things of this life that don't last, like that what, what we do and how we live, those are the things that matter in light of eternity. When we realize that no matter what happens on this earth, we have a good father and an eternal home in heaven, it makes the choice of joy the obvious winner. Because Paul chose joy, he considered everything he went through light and momentary troubles. Here's another difference between happiness and joy. Happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. So happiness is not up to you. Happiness just kind of comes, or maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. That's where, it's kinda, that's where the, the, it comes from the root word hap, meaning by luck or by chance. It's not up to you, but joy is all up to you. We can choose to have joy no matter what. I would say it this way. Don't let the things you can't control, control you. There's a true story of a man named Horatio 
Spafford. He was a Chicago-based attorney, and in 1871, he had a really rough year. He lost his baby boy, and I've been through that in my own family, losing one of my daughters, and it's such a terrible, horrible, painful thing to go through. That same year, 1871, was the great fire in the city of Chicago that destroyed the city, destroyed Horatio's business, wiped out the local economy. It was a really rough year, and Horatio and his family were really struggling over the next couple years. It was just a rough season for them. He had a friend who was a preacher that was going to England, and he's like, Horatio, why don't you and your family come with me? You need to get away. You just need to kind of reset your life. So in 1873, Horatio his wife and his four daughters were about to set sail on a boat from America over to England. And at the very last moment, some business thing came up and Horatio had to delay his trip and his family went ahead of him. His wife and his daughters were on board the ship and as their ship was sailing across the ocean, it was struck by another vessel. And on November 22nd, 1873, 226 people died at sea in that accident including Horatio's four daughters. His wife miraculously survived and made it to England. And she sends back a telegram to the United States to Horatio with these two words, saved alone. So Horatio gets on the boat, the next boat he can, tells the captain what's going on. The captain's like, we're gonna pass over the very spot where your daughters died in this accident. I can stop the boat while we're there. He's like, yes, that's great. Thank you so much. You get to this place. The captain stops the boat. And there, Horatio is looking over the edge of the ship into the sea where all four of his daughters lost their life and were buried somewhere in the ocean. It's in that moment that he writes what is one of the most well-known hymns of our day and time. When peace like a river attendeth my way. So when, when life is great. When sorrows like sea billows roll. When life is rough and going terrible. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. It's almost like he was saying, I'm making a deliberate choice that even though everything on the outside is tearing me apart, even though I never would have wanted this, God, why is this happening? I know there is joy and peace to be found. Can I tell you, you cannot stop circumstances. Things are going to happen in this life, but in the middle of it all, there is a choice to be made. And God has given you the ability and the strength to make the choice to choose joy, choose life. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, he says, this, this day, today, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life so that you and your children may live. It's an, oh, it's an open book test. God wants us to choose joy, choose life. Choose to be in his blessings. And if you're in that place right now and there's something you're like, like, I don't like it. I wish this was different. I'm not sure what to do about this. This is your moment. 
Today is the day. It's time for a perspective change. So how do we do that? How do we change perspective? I believe there are some keys found right here in Philippians that Paul is highlighting that he did in his circumstances to choose joy despite everything else. I believe they can help us too. If you're taking notes, I want you to write a few of these down. Here's the first one to help us to choose joy. Stop asking why, start asking what. The first question you're gonna be tempted to ask is why. And I just wanna encourage you, just skip right, right over that question. A person can die in their whys because they're just, most of the time, there's no good answer to the why. And so they just stay in that place asking the why. Oh, I just, why? If I just knew what, listen, there's no answer that will bring peace or justification that 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 person is looking for. Uh, But just so many people stay and camp out and live in that place, never going anywhere, always be moaning and die in the whys. So instead of asking why, I want to encourage you to ask what? What if we said this way? Now what? Look at someone sitting near you today and say, now what? And maybe you're like, I don't like what's going on, but God, now what? I don't understand this, God, but I trust you with the why, and and I want you to know that uh, what is it you want to show me? What is it you want to do in me? What is it that you want me to do? I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. I can trust the Lord with all of my heart, while not leaning to my own understanding, not being able to explain it all, but in all of my ways I can acknowledge Him, and then He will make my path straight. I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to know the why to continue to trust God in the what. This is what Paul is telling the church in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, now pause right there for just a moment. Let me ask you the question. What has happened to you? Not not what did you do, but what has happened to you? What is the circumstance? Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you woke up in a really bad financial place, or maybe you got a bad report from a doctor. Maybe you've got a relationship that's important to you, but it's just massively screwed up right now. Maybe you've lost a loved one to the coronavirus, or maybe you've lost a job during the season, or you've just been struggling emotionally or mentally through all the social distancing and the depression feels like it's setting in. Something has happened to you that you didn't plan, that seems like it's out of control, and you don't know what to do. Paul says, what has happened to me that's terrible has actually serve to advance the gospel. Perspective change. Now that word advance is a military term that means to move forward. It was often used to describe the group of the army that would go ahead of the main army to clear the underbrush or clear obstacles so that the army could advance along. And Paul is saying that what looks really bad is actually something that God is going to do something good through, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the mission of Christ in my life. It's not that God caused the pain. God is not the problem. He's not, he's not the one bringing the loss or the trouble. But God is big enough. He is wise enough. He is powerful enough to bring something good out of anything that comes our way. God can handle it. And he is working it out for you. Come on. He is working on your behalf. Let's just begin to give God some praise if you believe it today. Thank you, God. You're working on my behalf. 
a lot of times we're going to be in a place, we're going to be going, this isn't good, I, I, I don't see God working, where are you? I don't feel you working, are you really there? I don't even understand what's happening. Can anything good come from this? And Paul, he just continues to show us this perspective change. He says, as a result of this, it has become clear through the whole palace guard that, and to everyone else that I'm here in chains for Christ. I wanted to be here preaching the gospel. Now I'm a prisoner. And in fact, because of all this, I'm preaching to some of the most influential people in the entire military that was the strongest in the world because I'm chained to these imperial guards. And who's the prisoner now, baby? I got a captive audience 24 hours a day. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Come on, I want to encourage you to stop and have a change of perspective and realize that our God is big enough and even specializes in working through things that we don't understand. Come on, God was using Paul's life while he was a prisoner to influence the imperial guard and then other believers, Solomon, began to rise up in them. When we have a change of perspective, it affects so many people. We serve a God who can turn what we call obstacles into divine opportunities for him to show himself. We serve a God that can take what we call setbacks and he can actually turn them around into setups for him to be glorified and for us to be able to make a difference in the life of somebody else. Come on. You could say that maybe I don't I don't feel uh, I feel like I'm in prison. I feel like I'm chained up. Something is holding me back. I never wanted to be in this place. Can I just encourage you? Can I just nudge you a little bit today as your pastor who loves you? It's time for a perspective change. Your prison can become your pulpit. In other words, there could be purpose in your pain. What the enemy meant to, for evil, to destroy you, to hold you back, God can actually use for your good in the middle of that thing you never wanted to be in. God can raise you up out of that to bring glory to him through your life. Your prison, your pain could become the thing where you share what God is doing in your life. There is purpose in your pain. And you may not see it, but listen, God can help you to see with a different perspective. There are times where we say, I don't see it though. I don't understand. I don't like this. Why God? Why? And even though you can't see it in that place, God is there. God is there in the midst of the good and in the bad, right there with you in the highs and the lows. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. And one of God's names is Emmanuel, and it means God with us. So how do we do it? How do we change a perspective? It starts by trusting God with the wise. If we can look through the circumstances, you can actually see that God may have purpose in the middle of the pain if you'll just begin to see with your spiritual eyes. And when you can't, man, cry out to him, Father, help me, help me to have a change of perspective. He'll help you. He can use the thing that you would never have chosen to be in. We'll begin to say, not why, God, but God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? I don't have to understand, God. I trust you with the why in the middle of this. Some of you right now, you're going through something really difficult. I don't want to make light of it. Uh, I want, just want you to know the test that you are enduring today the pain you're going through could be the testimony that you share tomorrow. Come on. Here's the next thing that Paul did to achieve joy despite his circumstance. Number two, answer the question, so what? So he started asking the question, now what? Then we begin to ask the question, so what? 
There was some division in the church that Paul obviously wanted to address because in the very next verse he talks about it. Verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Hey, so what does all of this stuff really matter? We could get pretty riled up. We could get worked up. We could go on and on about it. We could write a blog post, post about it on social media. We could gossip about it. We could write some letters, send some email complaints about it. Could have all kinds of pity parties and all this kind of stuff about it. But Paul is saying, hey, what does it really matter? So what? What's important is that Christ is displayed or is preached through my life. What's important is that the love of Christ affects the lives and makes a difference in, in people's lives. And sometimes we just need to get to the place in life where there are some things that are bothering you, some things that you can't control, that aren't the way you want, that are really, you know, non-ideal circumstances, and you have to learn to say, so what? What does it really matter? I'm learning to do this in my own life. When something irritates me, something bothers me, something uh, doesn't go the way I want. I didn't get the result that I wanted. I'm learning to ask myself, what is this going to matter 100 years from now? You know, like 100 years from now, how big a deal is this going to be? If it's not going to be a big deal in 100 years, could be it's not a big deal right now. In fact, a lot of times it's not even going to be a big deal one year from now or one month from now or even a week from now. And beginning to ask this question, so what? It helps us not to focus so much on what's wrong, what's not important, but it frees us up to focus on what is most important. Maybe you're watching your favorite show, you know, and then bam, the president interrupts with this speech, you know, so what? Maybe you're running late to meet up with your friends or to work and you get stuck in that traffic on the highway and you're like, is it gonna matter 100 years from now? So what? Maybe you spill something on your favorite outfit, or even worse, you get a scuff on your favorite pair of Jordans. Nah! <laughs> what does it matter? So what? See, when we identify that so much in this life isn't a big deal, it's not going to last, it does change our perspective, and suddenly we can focus on what does really matter because it's so easy to get wrapped up in all of the things that don't matter and are not eternal. We're talking about three keys to choosing joy no matter what. Number one, stop asking why, start asking what. Number two, answer this question, so what? What does it matter? And here's the last one today, refocus on what really matters. So what does matter? Well, my relationship with God matters a lot. Eternity matters a lot. Serving people matters a lot. Using our gifts, to make a difference in this world matters. Building others up matters a lot. Raising up a generation of spirit-filled leaders matters a whole lot. Come on, living free from worry and fear and anxiety, leading my family to do the same, that matters a lot. See, understanding what really matters beyond the temporary things of this life, it frees us up to live and think totally different and completely free. That's, what, that's why Paul could say one of the most stunning statements that any person has ever made in the history of the world. In verse 21, he writes, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
In other words, he's saying, hey, if I, if I continue living on this earth, if, if things are great, I represent Christ. If I am dead to myself, I live for him. My life, it's not my own. See, he's writing this in a Roman prison, this joy-filled letter. Well, he was awaiting this trial to determine whether he would be executed or whether he would live. This was reality. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. He was essentially locked up on death row saying the statement. When you have this kind of perspective, that no matter what happens to me, I'm in a win-win situation. If I live, it's all for Christ. If I die, I go to be with Him. Man, it's such a change of perspective on all the things that tend to weigh us down, get us upset, really don't matter all that much. Wherever you are today, let's just begin to pray. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in us right now. God, I pray right now you begin to speak to each and every one of us. Begin to move in our hearts to be able to have this kind of perspective change. Lord God, that we could begin to not focus on so much of this life, the things that don't really matter, Lord God, but we could begin to focus on the things that impact eternity, the things that really matter on why you created us and why you put us in here. Lord, I just thank you right now for all the times we've been distracted. God, we just pause in this moment to say, God, we repent. We turn from those things and we come to you, our Heavenly Father, and we thank you for your love and your mercy in this moment. Maybe this is you today, it's hitting home, you're like, yeah, my perspective has been off. I've been just angry all the time. I've just been, uh, if things aren't happening the way I wanted, then I'm losing it, or I'm cursing my family out. I just wish things in my life were different. I would tell you today is the day to make a new decision. Today is the day to begin to choose joy, to begin to choose life, to begin to choose blessing and not cursing. If that's you today saying, Pastor, will you pray for me? Just right where you are, just lift up your hands and begin to receive the strength from your Father. Lord, I thank you right now in this moment. What's solidified in us is the ability to choose joy. So Lord, I thank you for strength. I thank you for boldness to rise up, that this is a decision from this day forward. We're daily going to pick up joy. We're going to put down offense. We're going to put down anger and malice. Lord God, we are going to choose joy. So Lord, I thank you for it right now, that we can have joy in the midst of all the pain. And God, I pray that for all the situations that are represented here, for every circumstance, for every need, for every diagnosis and every pain and every wound, Lord God, that has been inflicted and happened in our life, God, I pray you are the healer. You are the meter of every need. So God, I pray even right now, you begin to bring comfort through your Holy Spirit. You begin to bring healing, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for that, that there is nothing too difficult for you to heal, Lord God, that we'd begin to be restored from those places that were meant to destroy our lives, that we can be restored to joy, that we can be restored to wholeness and strength in Jesus' name. And I wanna pray for another group of people today. You're the one, you've been living this life all for yourself. You've been making all the decisions, trying to live by whatever feels right, trying to, whatever seems good, whatever makes you happy because that's what you were told would be good, but yet you still feel like, I don't feel happy. Maybe I feel happy one minute and unhappy the next, and life just feels up and down, out of control. But today, as we're talking about Jesus and choosing joy, man, you begin to recognize, I need that. I need that. I would just tell you, you make the choice to choose joy when you give your life to Christ. That's why Jesus came, to make it possible for you to say, I want the joy of Christ in my life. You've maybe tried it all, but you're just, you're ready. You say, I need Jesus. And whether you need to give Jesus your life for the first time, or you just need to come back to him today and say, Man, I've known him in the past, but I chose some other things for a while and I need to choose Jesus today. 
If that's you, you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I need to get my life right with him so he can fill me with his joy and with his peace. If that's you, would you just lift your hands? You can click in the chat to raise your hand or you can type the name Jesus. But wherever you are, can we pray out loud all together so no one is praying alone? Would you repeat this after me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Create in me a new heart. I believe that Jesus is my Savior, and He is the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you just prayed that prayer, man, all of heaven is rejoicing right now. You have been brought into the family of God. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. So let me say, welcome to the family. And I would love to just encourage you, personally pray with you, give you some resources to help you strengthen your faith. Would you send me an email, info at victoryorlando.com, or you can just send me a direct message on whatever platform you're watching today. I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you again next week right here at Church Online.